the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers Radio Show at faithtalk1360.com, Faith Talk 1360 Radio KPXQ. And uh, my guest today for this episode of Rescuers is Lee Piosky. The executive director at Crossroads Treatment Recovery Center. Hi, Lee. How you doing, Art? Doing great. And uh, even better now that I have you here right across from me. And, and Jeremy in the producer's box. He's the guy that makes all this, all this possible. But um, I always like to start a rescuer's program with uh, not everybody in the world knows you. And we do have a worldwide audience now, you probably know. You know, when you go to the Internet, it's everywhere, right? We've had even a call from Australia in the last month. Wow. Yeah. So uh, you never know. So uh, I I call it a worldwide audience. It makes people laugh anyway. So anyway, Lee, um, let's get to know you. Uh, Share your story with us. How did you get here? Well, uh, boy, that's a deep (laughs) question, Art. Take Uh, your time and details. Well, I... That you care to share. Sure. Uh, You know, I'm... I'm I'm just a normal farm boy from Minnesota and uh who unfortunately uh along that journey at a very young age started to abuse alcohol and drugs. Um by the time I got to college I was a full blown alcoholic. Uh and once I got out of college, started my own business in uh in the financial world, uh very successful, but uh Suddenly, I got involved with cocaine and crack cocaine, and uh, from there, my life took a dive off of a cliff and went straight downward. Um, I ended up uh, going to prison for about five and a quarter years, um, both federal and state. Uh, Basically, you're stockbroker gone bad story, pilfered, pilfered other people's money, uh, and, uh, and was convicted for it, and rightfully so. Um, in prison, uh, I, I began to absolutely change my life, and I, I, it's really not fair to say I changed my life. It's more fair to say other people and God helped me change my life because I was a pretty lost soul 
by the time I got there. Um, I fortunately got involved with the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, which helped me find first a God of my understanding that led me to uh, finding Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, got out of prison, didn't know what I was going to do. So, had, so during that time, could you even even imagine yourself taking over a job like you have now as CEO, I'll call you, or executive director of one of the largest, if not the largest, treatment recovery center in the Southwest or in Arizona? Well, in, in probably the whole country now. Yeah. So, uh, but but to answer your question, probably not. I mean, I I did meet with the career advisor people in federal prison. <laughs> and after looking at my record and my qualifications, they basically advised me that the only thing I could do was work in the treatment industry. And I wouldn't be able to really do much of anything else. I didn't believe that at the time that they told me that. Uh, but when I got out of prison, I, I was fortunate enough to go into a great halfway house at the time called Crossroads. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get a job there, but I never believed even at that point in time that uh, I would, uh, in 20 some years later, be uh, be running that treatment center now. And uh, that is absolutely God's plan, not mine. Um, I, I, just, uh, I just stayed there and did what I was told. And next thing you know, uh, they let me run the joint. So... Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed. It's what I believe I'm supposed to be doing. Um, again, not what I hoped to do, not what I wanted to do, but I ended up doing what I was supposed to do and what a blessing that whole trip has been. So I learned, uh, uh, I learned a new saying last, last week, uh, uh, uh another program. Um, and we're all, fairly familiar with the scripture uh, Romans 8:28 where everything will, will be in God's it'll everything will happen in God's uh, grace for those who love him yes. everything'll just turn out fine right great verse and if you put on top of that a sentence that says uh God will allow something he hates to allow to allow something that's good that he wants to happen happen yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I, I, I not only see that in me, I see that in in many people. Uh, and it's and it's so biblical because in prison, when I when I did start to actually read the Bible and, and get into the stories, I was struck by Jesus picking those people uh, to be his disciples that probably weren't the Pharisees or the great religious scholars at the time, but were in many cases, ne'er-do-wells um, that nobody would have paid any attention to otherwise, and those became uh, his followers. And and so I think it is biblical, even starting with Jesus, that uh, people like me are, are lost, that nobody wanted, end up uh, doing something good be and, and, and not really planning for it. It just works out that way. It's, it's a hard thing to explain. But yet here I am, so I I certainly am living proof of it. <laughs> so 
um, when we can't see it and, and those things are happening, you're moving along and and um, you start reading the New Testament and and Paul was in prison most of the time he was writing letters, right? Yes. <laughs> and, used, and used to persecute other Christians. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine that. <laughs> so the, the trek to Crossroads, you first came in in the... Um, in the home, the uh, um, halfway, halfway house. house. Yes, thank you. And and now the rest, you look back on now, and with, wow, what happened over the last twenty years? Here you are. Well, interestingly enough, and and what a blessing! Uh, one of the counselors in prison recommended that I go to Crossroads because he had heard it was a, a good halfway house, um, and so on. March 11th, 1998. Uh, You're in Phoenix at that time? I was in, at that time, I was I was in a prison in Florence, uh, and they uh, released me, and, and uh, they didn't just release me at the gate. I was such a ne'er-do-well that the judge ordered them to transport me directly in handcuffs to the door of Crossroads, where they unshackled me and threw me in the door and told the director of crossroads good luck with this one oh my gosh and uh and and so that that's kind of where my journey started and uh and and it was it was so interesting because um the reason actually that i i started working for crossroads i i went on several job interviews when i got out of prison frankly i wanted to get back into the financial world uh make a lot of money uh and that just wasn't going to work out because everywhere I went, uh, they said, hey, we're not going to hire anybody like you. <laughs> so uh, one day I was washing dishes in the Crossroads kitchen and my sponsor, my AA sponsor, I, I had told him that I detested washing dishes. Uh, and he said, well, look, boy, uh, you... Uh, you really that's your station in life right now is to be washing dishes and you should be grateful that you're doing it in fact what i want you to do is while you're washing dishes i want you to whistle like you're happy so i was back washing dishes in the kitchen at crossroads whistling because my sponsor required me to do that and the uh, director of crossroads at the time happened to be walking by and he he, he came running back where I was washing dishes and he looked at me and he said, I've never seen anybody so happy washing dishes. You're, you're remarkable. I would like to try it out and give you a job here at Crossroads because obviously you're the type of person we're looking for. <laughs> so little did he know, uh, probably who I really was, but that uh, he uh, he gave me a job at $6 and 25 cents an hour sitting at the front desk, answering phones I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but it was a job, and I needed to make some money, and that was the best offer I had. Um, so the rest is history. I mean, it, in, I, I became the—that was 1998. I became the director of Crossroads in 2005, um, and in uh, 2014, we turned into a treatment center. We've, we've become massively large— uh, 
We have 408 licensed residential treatment beds, which makes us just about the largest residential treatment center around, and uh, we're always full. The pandemic has been interesting for us the last year, but, you know, people people still have drug and alcohol problems, maybe even more so now. Uh, so I'm so grateful that we're there to be able to help them. Well, and, and I think I think the spikes uh, in COVID time are from drugs, alcohol, and domestic violence. Uh, there's no doubt about Suicide it. Suicide rate as well. And, 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 and they all tie together. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to think about it because one of the tenets of recovery for anybody that has an addiction problem, and I think this is true not only of addiction but depression and, and various other mental maladies, is that it is important to be around other people to support you. Yet during the pandemic, we've been basically told to isolate ourselves. So we have all these people with issues like addiction or depression. And instead of being around with others, getting therapy, getting into support groups, getting the help that they need, they've been told to stay away from everybody. And so it's very, I certainly understand how addiction and other mental disorders, especially suicide uh, rates, have have gone up by over 30% in most cases during this time. Of course, because uh, people are isolating and it just makes it worse. I, I, I grew up in a family where my mom was addicted to prescription drugs her whole life. And uh, we we see someone who goes into hospitals, mental institutions, boom, boom, in, out, all the time. And it's confusing coming up in, in that kind of environment. But um, and, and that's happening in these closed environments. Nobody knows what's going on inside that household. And I've had enough law enforcement uh, individuals come through here and do programs on the rescuers. Uh, to know that one of the worst, most dangerous calls a law enforcement officer can make is a domestic violence call because they don't know what they're going to get. Absolutely. And it wasn't that long ago this summer that one of the um, high-ranking um, uh, individuals at Phoenix PD was shot and killed because of, of that kind of situation, and two others were injured. Uh, so, so there's a hot, a lot of hot, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're the, you're, you're caged up as you're and using your words and you're, you're in this environment and, uh, sometimes it just gets to be too much. Well, I Pressure mean, cooker. I, Art, I love my wife and we have a great marriage, but you know, in, in March and April, where we basically spent every hour of the day uh, locked up in our house together, we'd get up in the morning and we'd just look at each other and, it, you know, it, it and, and it was so easy. You could just see that arguments became more plentiful and over the, nothing, over the littlest things. We were both testy. So, I mean, you can imagine uh, that people that have issues in their relationship, if they have tendencies toward domestic violence, it's going to be exacerbated during this time. And in many cases, domestic violence uh, also includes substance abuse or alcoholism. And uh, 
And and this has just been a horrifying time for all of these things. Um, and and it's it's certainly not surprising at all that they've become so much worse. I've heard you say this is before covid um, treatment recovery is you, you you're you're sold out you're packed right yes and you can't you can only manufacture so many new buildings with with beds and so forth yes so the focus may have to turn from treating tre- treatment recovery not that you're going to not do that but prevention has to be the answer right well i it's absolutely true art i mean it's 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 obvious to me and i think probably to anybody else in the business who really cares about it that understands that we're not going to be able to treat our way out of this thing we we could have 4000 beds and we still couldn't treat our way out of this thing uh, we've really got to start working with young people and and early and in the schools and uh, and help out families where we can, not only to teach the children in schools, but also have them bring home materials and and engage in conversations with their parents, because it's going to take the whole family unit to turn it around. But it has to start. It has to start with the young people. We're never going to change it unless we do this. It's absolutely true. So that opens a door to ask about the Arizona Substance Abuse uh, Council, Council or panel. You're on that committee at, uh, with the governor. Yes. Uh, do you talk about these kinds of issues? I'm uh, how to do these things. Absolutely. I'm I'm actually involved in a work group as part of that uh, panel that deals right now exclusively with prevention. Um, and, and we really believe, and we really believe the state and, and our legislature and the governor are listening to this. I think they can see the value of investing into prevention, into the, into the young people, especially, uh, and, and can see it from several standpoints. I mean, number one, it's good business. It's a lot less expensive to, to offer prevention to young people than it is to treat them in substance abuse treatment when they're 20 years old. So, I mean, it's just, it's good on, on every level that you can think of. Uh, So I really believe this state is committed to working on that. And, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to move forward. I certainly hope it does. Incidentally, audience, I've known Lee a long time. Uh, I, I first met you. I think you were on one of our steering committees for one of our documentaries. Yes. Uh, which which the first one was in 2008 with Crystal Meth. And then in uh, 2016, we aired uh, Hooked uh, Heroin's Hold on Arizona, Tracking Heroin's Hold on Arizona. And then yes. came from prescription to addiction with the opioid issue. Yep. And you you were you sat in on the call centers for each one of those programs. Yes. And your view of that amazing evenings in three or four hours, we were taking thousands of of calls from people that needed help. You really find out when you do things like this and, and our, those were two outstanding things that we did. But you really you really find out just for a moment how big the scope of the problems really are yeah. uh, and and. 
and it's just amazing. The phone just keeps ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. It never stops. And, uh, you know, and, and it's just like in the treatment business, we have 30, 40 people line up every day that need treatment. And you keep wondering, where are they coming from? How can they how can they keep coming at this rate? It is it's a much larger problem than we like to think it is or admit it is. And 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 yet it's it's doing things like that where the community really gets involved and and there's an effort from media and politicians and people in the treatment business who all get together and do things that make a difference. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could keep doing things and like that? And, and I so hope that we can maybe even do something like that on prevention. I'm not sure how it would work. I'm not smart enough to know anything like that. But man, is there a need for it. So do you work through a school? Has it come up? as one path maybe through the the school nurses programs or who, who, how do you even begin formulating some kind of an educational platform like that in in the schools well there's there's a couple ways and and you probably you probably have heard the phrase evidence-based practices well we've we have developed evidence-based practices now for prevention Curriculum that is approved to to take into schools and other places uh, that we can bring in, uh, but it's it is art. It's really interesting, and and, it, and in a way, it's kind of sad. You would think the schools would be clamoring for things like this, but I don't know if maybe they're so overworked or overburdened, or there's so many things going on that they just don't want to load in another program, even if it's brought to you from the outside, even if it's free or very inexpensive for you to use. It's it's almost like many schools think, oh, please, no, not not another program that uh, that we have to support and watch over. So. I think actually our our educational institutions need to be educated on this too and uh, and brought into uh, a partnership. Well, and now is now the schools are crunched again by COVID because yes. do they open? Do they are they not open? Are they going to be virtual for a while and then allow uh, kids back in in classes? So you have that working against this, I would think. Uh, in the way that they'll they'll say literally say oh no, not one more thing that I have to uh, but it but they have to be educated on the importance and and why it's important to reach them this at this stage of their life right oh I I absolutely agree and and you know I'm I'm so grateful being running a company that uh, we have technology like Zoom meetings that we can use but you know. Art, I just really appreciate sitting across from you face-to-face for, for me, and I'm probably old school. I really like human contact, and uh, and and this technology that we're using, it's great. I don't know what we'd do without it right now, right. but do I miss both in the recovery world <laughs> and in, in the business world and everything else where you actually sit down with other human beings and you're live, and you can look in their eyes, and you can see them perspire and and blink and <laughs> yeah. and all of that other stuff and and yes i it's been hard on schools and, and but and and i hope you know i i really hope there's a there's a 
they want to get back and, and they want to do it live and that they don't think, okay, maybe we can just educate by Zoom forever. And uh, I, it just, to me, it just doesn't work very well. It's not conducive to uh, getting the job done. I'm not built that way either. No, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I call it old school, but that's that's me. And, and um, gosh, time flies. We're down to our last couple of minutes here. Um. I see in your bio that you have a master's degree in addiction, in addiction, psychology, psychology. addiction, yeah. psychology. Yes. Nice. So, so um, that had to take you to a, a new level of of addressing these issues and talking to clients. Yes. Guests, uh, however you refer to to those that come. Well, you know, edu- I think education is is a great thing, and. Uh, and when I started working for Crossroads and then when I became committed to working in the field of recovery, it just seemed to me that, you know, education wasn't going to hurt. And uh, and I had a great education, the master's degree. I, had a, I, I It was wonderful. I learned so much, argued with the professors all the time about a lot of stuff. But you know what? It gave me that degree. It gave me that piece of paper. And uh, and that lets, let me in a lot of doors that I couldn't get into before. Lee, I'm down to, we're down to our last minute. Yay. And I, I, I love in, leave, leaving these programs with our listeners on the question, at the end of COVID, what will your story be? Well, it's going to be another disaster that we've come through. And I'm, I'm used to pandemics. I work in the addiction world. So, you know, the story is going to be there's always going to be something. After the pandemic is over, there's going to be something else. There will be a new horrible drug addiction, something else. So, uh We'll just keep changing lives uh, one live at a time. Like the Rescuers Show. Yes. <laughs> changing and saving lives is what it what it's all about with our guests. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed this program. Uh, remember, Rescuers uh, is on faithtalk1360.com, KPXQ uh, live on Thursday evenings at 530. We're also now on Spotify, iPodcast, Instagram. And Facebook page, Rescuers Radio Show. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.